Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. The scripture reading is from Acts 2, 36 through 41. Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Who are you? I'm going to throw a lot at you. I want you to think about your childhood. Your home or homes that you grew up in, different schools that you went to, jobs that you had over your life. Did you have good jobs, bad jobs? Did you have the worst job ever at one point? Have you ever been broke? What's your personality type? Are you quiet? Are you talkative? Are you an introvert, extrovert? Have you had experiences that have helped you move along in life? Have you had experiences that that hindered you a little bit? What are your favorite sports or activities? What hobbies do you get into? Are you a hiker? Are you an indoor or outdoor person? Mountains or ocean? What are your greatest accomplishments? What's your favorite food? Are you a person who likes cilantro? What's your favorite movies, music? Think about the the best things you've ever done. Think about the, the worst things you've ever done, said, thought of in your life. Think about... What you consume, what you do, what you buy. In all the parts of of who we are, there's a lot of messaging and there's a lot of voices from the world, culture, society, wherever. It's all around us. There's all these voices that are trying to speak over us or to the side. They're trying to sneak in with a message. And if we're not careful, we can get pretty twisted up in our identity. For instance, if we allow ourselves to adopt the viewpoint that comes from and with how we are treated by like a portion of the world, uh, for instance, um, like how the Internet just watches us all the time. It's, it's like that surveillance that I don't even understand, like how much data they're, they're taking from us. But if we allow that type of messaging to, to really get inside of us, that can lead to some pretty dark places. That, that, that can actually be a pretty depressing sense of identity. Because you are not just raw data that is to be analyzed for patterns and trends and shopping habits, you know. You're, you are more than just what you consume. You are more than you, your productivity level. You are more than what you, 
what you buy. You are more than just this cluster of information that is to be processed by machines and algorithms. And so what's sweet in the gospel? The sweet news is this. The gospel, it counters all of that. You are a unique convergence of so many different categories and experiences and and aspects. You are uniquely you. But how amazing is it that if you are in Christ, you have a restored identity. Jesus takes you as you are and he remakes you. He restores you. If you are in Christ, you are made new. Sin, evil, death doesn't reign over you. But the gospel says you are under grace. You are a new creation. How amazing is that? So today we are going to talk about Christian baptism. And I like to think of baptism as like an identity statement for Jesus people. And so before we move on, I want to say a quick prayer. And then we are going to explore Baptism, this identity statement in our Christian faith. So Heavenly Father, Lord, you've been in this sermon over the last number of days and and, and weeks even, God. You've been formulating what is to be said today, Lord. And so I just pray, God, you use me. May the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. The message that I'm about to speak, may I speak it with boldness, Lord. The mystery of the gospel. May all of our hearts and minds be ready to receive your word. I ask that, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. So here is a picture of me from 2002. What am I wearing? What am I wearing? Yeah, football uniform. So this isn't Halloween. This is a a fall evening after a middle school football game. Yeah, so I'm I'm wearing a uniform. I'm wearing a football you know get up there. That that's my sister and my my brother in law. And this uniform it tells you that I'm a part of a team. Because that's what uniforms do. That's what symbols do. Signs and symbols, they point to something. They're they're pointing to a a story. There's a narrative. You look at this picture, and perhaps you can start to fill out a little bit of the story. If If you happen to be a local, you're like, oh, maroon and white, that's Gettysburg. Gettysburg Middle School. My sister and I, perhaps we we look a lot alike. Maybe you can tell we're we're siblings there, perhaps. But we see stuff and we start to formulate a story. We start to put together like an identity narrative, perhaps. I don't have a picture of it. Another activity that I was involved in in school, I was in the orchestra. I played the string bass growing up. And at one season of, of orchestra life, the uniform, quote unquote, that we had to wear, we had cummerbunds and bow ties. Chorus looked a certain way, band looked a certain way. If you were an orchestra, cummerbund and bow tie. Like, not my favorite look, but that identified me as a member of orchestra. I have a wedding band on right now. My original one got lost in the Atlantic Ocean. This one's plastic. 
or whatever material it is, rubber. But it indicates, it tells you something, right? It tells you something. In my office over there, you can go check it out. The door is open. I have a preacher's license hanging on my wall. It says I'm an itinerant ordained elder of the EC church. What does that mean? That's a, that's a good question. I am a member of this body of pastors. Perhaps a society is a, is a way to think about it. Like, I belong to this group of pastors in the EC church, and they gave me a piece of paper. They actually gave me a little card in my wallet as well, but it indicates that I belong to something. So, whether it's a uniform, whether it's jewelry, a license, or a certificate, we have different kinds, shapes, and forms of communication that broadcast to the world that we are a part of something, or that we accomplish something. That we belong to something. And so Christianity has this thing called baptism. It is a public identity identity statement that you belong to Jesus. You're born again. You're adopted into the family of God. You are a member of the one church. Baptism doesn't come out of nowhere. And so today, I'd like to consider some of the biblical features that, that help us understand baptism. So what we're going to do is just do a, a survey of, of baptism to help us remember and learn and, and get some good imagery in our head when we think and talk about baptism. I don't have a slide for it, but something very foundational actually comes from John 17, verse 24. Jesus says to his father in heaven, he says, Father, before creation, before you made all things, you loved me. The God that Jesus knows, his father, before God created anything, before God could even be called a creator, God is a father loving a son. God is fatherly. And so we, 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 we let that just, let us just begin there to start formulating who God is. And, and as we continue on through, through our survey on baptism, God is a fatherly God. A father loving the Son and the Holy Spirit. The beginning of the Bible, we get to, uh, we get to talk about creation. God creates. And the earth is formless and empty it's, it's wild and, and, and chaotic and the spirit is there hovering or fluttering over the waters. God creates and he separates and he brings order. He separates light from dark, water below and water above, water from land. God separates, he's bringing order. Humans and other creatures too, he's, he's ordering a world. We are brought into a world not of chaos, but one that has order. And it's a world that is set up for flourishment. And notice, there is a river in the Garden of, of Eden. That, that is something uh, notable. We move on. We get to Noah, Genesis 6 through 9, the Noah account. God brings a judgment of water. But Noah and his family, they, they build this ark, Right? And Noah and his family, they pass through the waters of judgment. And a remnant survives on the other side. God restarts the human project. 
Unfortunately, we're not back to Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 9 is still, like, we still have a sin problem. And so, you know, that's, that's part of the story there. But a remnant has passed through and, and life goes on for humanity. Let's jump to baby Moses. We explored the Moses story a number of months ago. The baby Moses story. Um, there was a death sentence over Moses. He wasn't supposed to, to, to be alive. Mom makes an ark, a basket. And Moses was delivered from, from the, the waters of death. And he floated right into Pharaoh's palace. And, and Moses gets to live. Moses grows up. Now it's an older Moses story. Exodus 14. God rescues Israel. God rescues his people. He breaks them out of Egyptian jail. And they cross the Sea of Reeds. God splits the waters and they're able to walk through on dry land. God says, you see an ocean, I see a highway. Here you go. Out of slavery, into freedom, you get to pass through the water. And then we get to Joshua Chapter 3. I said this would be, be quick, I believe. We're, we're moving fast. We get to the Jordan River. Joshua is now the leader and the people called Israel, God's people. They're there at the banks of the Jordan River. And the age of wilderness is over. The age of wandering is over. The age of being displaced is over. Now it's, it's time to be placed. It's time to be home. Israel gets to go home. They cross the Jordan River. And again, it's it's this awesome miracle. The water's piled up in a heap. Piled up in a heap. And they're able to, to pass through. Israel would go on to remember all these great things that God has done. And that, that's an important point. That God is the hero in these stories. We want to read the Bible theocentrically, God-centered. God is the hero. God is doing these things. God is working in the life of the people. In Israel, they, they take time to remember all of this in their worship life, in their temple life, in their education life. And the imagery of, of water, it, it comes up. It shows up in prophetic encouragement too. For example, in Isaiah chapter 43... God says, do not fear. He's speaking to his people for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And there's other other things to mention. But for now, I want you to just grapple, grab a hold of this, this watery imagery The biblical features, the patterns here. Creation. Life being brought into order. Life. A river watering the garden. Think about rescue and deliverance. This idea of of passing through. Passing through. From slavery into freedom. From being homeless to being homed. Having a home. And water, of course, is associated with like washing and the rituals and 
cleanliness and all of that. So like, like the washing away of sin. And so I, I think it's important to have this imagery and, and the, 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 the patterns. It, it's important to have these Old Testament stories kind of circulating a little bit. Because when we get to the New Testament... I believe it's just going to help us understand a little bit more about like what what's happening as we get closer and closer to Christian baptism. And so when we do get to the New Testament, we meet Jesus's cousin. His name's John. And he's known as John the Baptist. Baptist. Yeah, John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. So we meet John early on in the pages of of the Gospels. What river is John baptizing people in? The Jordan River. And so as students of the Bible, we hear that and we, we start to, it's like our biblical story sense starts to tingle a little bit. So Judaism had a, a, a ritual of, of bringing people into the faith. So if you were a Gentile and you wanted to convert to, to Yahweh worship, they had a, a, a water ritual, okay? So, so John didn't invent this watery act that's happening here. But here's the thing. As far as I know, or at least in the majority sense, John is not converting anybody. He's inviting God's people, they're already God's people, they're Israelites. He is inviting the Israelites to come and pass through the waters of the Jordan once again. Again, this is like loaded with Old Testament imagery. And we know that John's baptism is a, is a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And so with water, John is publicly marking people who wanted to prepare themselves for the coming of God. Now think like a first century Jew in this Roman colony, Roman Empire. Life is hard. There's oppression. Taxes. I believe it's been about 60 years since Judea has been a province of of the Roman Empire. King Herod, who's ruling over them, right? Like, like that, like client-king relationship. Not a real king, but just like a puppet. Like, like life is just hard and weird. Oppression and taxes. Life is hard, and like it's not supposed to be this way. But you know what? We have these promises. We have these promises, and and John is saying yes. But like, come and get your heart back in order with God. Get your heart in alignment with God. And we know that John, he's the forerunner of Jesus. And so we're able to like put it together a little bit. John is preparing people for Jesus. John is preparing people for Jesus. Now, Jesus was baptized. We believe Jesus was sinless. The son of God. Fully God, fully man. Wow. Jesus doesn't have... Sin. Jesus doesn't need to repent. One definition of repentance is to change your mind that leads to a change in behavior. Jesus doesn't need to change his mind on anything. So, so why, is, why is Jesus getting baptized? Well, for now and for short, Jesus wants to identify with humanity. 
So, so baptism seems to carry this sort of identity statement here. And at the, the baptism scene, the, the, the sky splits open. The Holy Spirit is there descending on Jesus like a dove. Hovering, fluttering over the sun. The voice of the Father speaks over the sun. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Words of identity being spoken over Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, water. It's reminiscent of the creation story in a way. We, we start to pick up on the patterns. Something new is is happening. Now Jesus would, would continue his, his ministry and eventually he gets his disciples together and they're they're doing the, their thing. Jesus did not baptize anyone. Okay? This was delegated authority to his disciples. He invited his disciples to, to baptize people. Initially it would have been probably similar to John's similar message. Get get your heart right with God. But then post Easter, so resurrected Jesus, right before his ascension, he gives the great commission. And he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations and what? Baptize. Baptize them. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so it's like with Easter, new creation is here. New creation is here. And Jesus is like, hey, I've trained you. You know my ways. You know my teachings. You have the scriptures. Now go and make disciples. And soak them in this new creation identity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name, that's identity, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the early church, they did this. The church does this. And we we see this uh, in Acts chapter 2. They preach the gospel. People get saved. They, they turn. They repent from their sins. They believe. They believe. And the next step is get them baptized. Get them baptized. And so baptism, it's like an initiation to the church. It doesn't save you, but it's an outward, outward sign of an inward work. Okay, Just as like a driver's license doesn't actually do any driving, but it simply points to the story that you are qualified to drive. You've taken a test, a, you know, a driver's test. You've, you've gone through the thing, get your eyes checked, right? Like, like there's a story of approval in that driver's license. Baptism doesn't save you, but it's an outward sign of the inner work. So now, two more passages. Just want to. Iron out some of the theology. Just want to hang out with Galatians 3 and Romans 6. How Paul was thinking about baptism. And so in the letter to the churches in Galatia. The message is this. Believe in the gospel. Believe. Know it to be true. That Jesus is who he says he is. 
That he went to the cross. That he took sins. That he took on death. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again. And he is, a res- he is resurrected. And, 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 and believe that, that Jesus... That Jesus changed history. That we can go to Jesus and we can say, Jesus, here's my life. Here's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here's my sins. Forgive me. Wash me. Make me new. If we believe in Jesus, he, he, makes, us, he makes us alive. We are saved. We are born again. We are new creation. This is the message in Galatians. Believe in this gospel. Believe in this story, this this good news announcement. Believe it. You're not saved by works. You're not saved by following rules. There is no ladder to climb. You can't borrow someone else's faith. Riding on the, the coattails of mom and dad or whoever. No, believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And you are justified by your faith. Because the righteous live by faith. It's in Galatians chapter 3. Check it out. Check it out. But to zoom in here. Galatians 3, 26 to 29. Paul then says this. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So I want to emphasize, and I really want you to appreciate this concept of adoption. When you come to Jesus in faith, The orphan spirit gets stripped away and you are adopted. You belong. You are a child of God. You're a son, a daughter of God. This is your identity. This is your birthright. Your birthright. You are an heir. Inheritance. Baptism. When we get baptized, it's like... You acting out. You, you, are, you are putting on Christ. As Paul frames it here. Check out this, this metaphor. We are giving, getting a new identity. Brand new clothing. Tim Keller helped me with these thoughts here. Clothing. It's not just getting some new sneaks. Or like washing. Doing some laundry. Spraying some Febreze. Trying to cover it up. Like, like, no. It is a whole new wardrobe. A whole new wardrobe. When we come to Jesus, we get brand new clothes. We put on Christ. Clothing speaks to closeness. What is the closest thing to your body right now? It's your clothing. You are wrapped up. We are wrapped up in Jesus. Clothing. We, we are dressed in Jesus. And there's only one Jesus. So there's a uniform here. And we're, we're, we're covered and accepted. All of those things that make us who we are. The, the secondary identities and personality types. And what we do for a living. And all of that stuff. 
It's all wrapped up and we are covered in all the sin and gunk and nasty stuff too. It all gets covered. We get brand new clothes and we are accepted. And the gospel says this. You're a son. You're a daughter. No more shame, but honor. No more guilt, but innocence. No more fear and insecurity. Acceptance. That is our gospel identity. Being a a son, daughter of God. And we are all one in Christ Jesus, Paul says. And so it's individual, right? Like you need to get saved. You, the individual. You need Jesus. We need Jesus. But it's Jesus and me, and then it quickly becomes Jesus and we, right? There's a communal identity here as well. It's the body of Christ. A body speaks to unity. Different parts, but we're all connected. Okay? We're all connected, and we all work together. And so a body, it speaks to unity. It also speaks to purpose, because we have, we have a body. We are the hands and feet of Christ. And one more passage to look at. Romans chapter 6. Check out more of Paul's thinking as he's fleshing out this idea of of baptism. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? How punk rock metalcore is that? Baptized into death. You are baptized into death. (laughs) We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. We go to Jesus. We give him Ourselves, Jesus, I have nothing left. I don't want my life. Take it. Take it. Here I am. Here I am. Like, I don't, I don't want me anymore. You, you can have me. And Jesus says, I want you. And we can take our crowns and our jewels and our sin and our shame and our guilt and all the nasty stuff. That comes with being a human. But we go to Jesus. And Jesus says. I'll take it. I am for you. And the charges that are written against us. To use that metaphor. The list that's made against us. It's nailed to the cross. It's like if if Jesus absorbs it. Jesus dies on the cross. He goes to the grave. Our sins go into the grave. Jesus rises on the third day, new creation, resurrection, life. The good news is all our junk stays in the grave. New life is available. If we identify with his death, we get to identify with his brand new life. And it's something we'll get to experience in the future, but it's also happening right now that we have resurrection life in our veins right now. This is our story. 
This is his story. As we believe and identify with Christ, his story becomes our story. And it's like our old self died with Jesus. One more time. We died with Jesus. We buried. We were buried with Jesus. And now we too are raised to new life. And we are set free from sin. We are set free from sin. And we belong to our Father. We belong to the Son. We belong to the Holy Spirit. This is who we are. And so as we just wrap up the message here. Know this, in Christ, in Christ, we pass through the waters of old creation into new creation. We were dead, but now we are made alive. We were enslaved, but now we are free. We were lost and tangled up. We were that sheep that was just like in the crack, upside down, tongue hanging out. Completely cross-eyed, completely just so gone, and, and we are rescued and redeemed. We are made brand new. We are sons and daughters of God. We are the body of Christ. We are a unified body, and it's all because of Jesus. And so church, as we just kind of think about all of this stuff today that we heard, stand firm in the gospel. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget that you belong to Jesus. Church, keep trusting in Christ with all areas of your life. Culture, world, society, whatever you want to put in there. The world wants to baptize you into different identities, but you are baptized, you are immersed, you are embedded in Jesus Christ. You are a creature of grace. You are made brand new. You are a new creation. So, church, speaking to those who have been baptized, you're the baptized. When I got married to Jess, we got rings, right? I didn't know what it meant to be a husband <laughs> on that day. But, it's, but it was like, this is my covenant relationship. This is, this is a sign and symbol. This, is, this points to a story that I'm headed in a, in a direction now. And so, no, we don't have it all figured out when we get baptized. It's not about just having the right answers. No, that's, it's faith. It's faith and Jesus, that we're going to walk with Jesus, that we're giving our life to Jesus. We're walking this pathway of discipleship. So if you are baptized in this room, you wear the watery seal of having a covenant relationship with God. How cool is that? Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we ask that you would keep calling our name, keep restoring and renewing our identity. Thank you, Jesus, for your work of salvation. 
Thank you that you have ascended. Thank you that you will come again in glory. Thank you that we get to know you and grow in you and we get to go in you. Keep remaking us, restoring us, redeeming us, reconciling us every single day. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your favor upon our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.